I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. Our suspension week 10 episode? Has it been 10 weeks already? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. This episode is brought to you by, well, Disney, of course. Disney and ESPN, to be sure, future home of the MLS... Wait, no, wait, 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 wait. Actually, brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the amazing Patreon supporters of this MLS Fantasy Insider podcast. Uh, I love you guys. Without you, this wouldn't be possible. Um, My name is Reed Conley, the the owner, whatever. I'm from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and all this suspension stuff has just gotten me... Just totally out of whack right now. But my name is Reed, and I'm joined by my fellow partners in fantasy, Michael Denton and Blaine Riffle, for uh, tonight's episode. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing well. Yeah, I butchered that. Uh, and I may sound weird right now because I am completely kitted out in all of my great FC Cincinnati gear. I got my FC Cincinnati face mask in the mail recently, so I was just showing that off. Right but there. see, I, I don't know why MLS would sell a FC Cincinnati face mask. I mean, because I, I don't think that that would stop anything. I mean, <laughs> FC Cincinnati couldn't stop anything last year. Uh, I wouldn't trust it to defend myself from coronavirus or really anything. Uh, fair, fair, but <laughs> but I bought two of them. Uh, there we go. So <laughs> you wear two uh, of them over. <laughs> I did. I have two, two, two back to back. Multiple masks. You get like a whole stack of masks. That's what it is. Uh, so again, apologies, everyone, for for the botched intro. Uh, some of that was was the mask and just general. It's it's been ten weeks without MLS soccer, guys. How are you holding up? Yeah, we uh, Louisiana stay at home ended. You know this past weekend, so I was able to go to to mass for the first time, and I opened up the missile, and it was like the seventh Sunday since Easter for, for in Easter time. I'm like, it's been seven weeks since Easter already. Good lord, <laughs> <laughs> we were in Lent when this started. <laughs> it's been crazy, uh, but we can't say without soccer anymore because Bundesliga started back up. So soccer is gradually coming back, and Bundesliga is sort of the the test the worldwide test i don't want to say guinea pig but yeah uh they're sort of testing the waters to see what this fanless experience easing back in looks like and the big news which we're gonna open the show with this little little teaser right now uh, if, if you if you don't know since again i butchered the intro uh, tonight <laughs> we're talking about our, our part one episode of the best mls fantasy xi of all time but first, we're talking about Orlando because we talked about this last week for what could MLS Fantasy do with the possible reopen schedules. And now we know that the first thing being looked at is a tournament. I know I'm putting that in little fancy quotes for those of you listening because we don't quite have the details of this, but there's going to be some. There's the idea is to have some sort of tournament down in Orlando with everybody, fly all 26 teams down there. Go have a party in that big Disney ESPN facility and try to put something together 
which seems like it's going to be different from the regular season. So starting with a tournament, which I don't know if it'll mean anything or if it'll play into seeding or if it's just like substitute U.S. Open Cup, substitute U.S. Open Cup, or is it just a little fun tournament to help get people back into fitness? I don't know, but this is the way we're kind of going uh, with hope. Uh, what are your guys' reactions to this? Are, are you are you excited? Are you concerned? Are you are you are you hungry? I don't know, Blaine. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's exciting news, especially if they've got the Disney stuff all on board and will stream it for us. I mean, I don't care if it's meaningless preseason tournament style play or whatever or if they make up some stupid cup to give away at the end of it all. like I, As long as I get to see my guys play and see the rest of the league play, I'm going to be happy. Um, I have heard some of the players are not too thrilled about the pick being Florida or Orlando, and some of the players may not want to go down there. <clears throat> but I don't know. I was, I was high on Kansas City for a spot because of the multiple complexes owned by the Kansas City ownership group. And then we've got Clark Hunt, who owns a stadium there, and a lot of the other facilities being made available. But Disney ESPN has a has a set of fields down there and dorms, or every Disney park that is remaining closed has um, on-site housing for guests. And all of that, I've heard, could be turned over to use for the for the different teams and give them their own hotel room or an entire floor or whatever it takes to keep the teams kind of separate and give them their own space. So, like, it sounds like a really good place to go, and all the TV stuff from Disney and ESPN is already there. So it may be the quickest way to spin something up and get the players in an area with a good climate, uh, fun to go to, and if they ever did open it up to small numbers of fans, it's not a bad place to go either for the for the summer. Ooh, I don't know. I don't see I don't see fans in this in this. I don't uh... either. But scenario yeah i i don't i don't know if any fans will, will, will be able to come and, and you know I, I think that that's not part of it but what, what has been interesting has been the last weekend um you know new york and california have sort of reversed course today and said oh yeah we'll let pro, pro sports back in starting um you know june 1st or may 31st or um, i think california is a little bit later than new york um which is a just a little weird but um it's interesting because it seems like all of a sudden the states are fighting to get the pro sports to set up or, or allow games to happen. Now all of the all states are saying no fans, uh, at least for the you know for the time being. Uh, and I can see MLS trying to do this tournament as like stopgap. We'll see if travel can come back or, or whatnot. But I, I said this whenever we did the episode talking about the future. The Disney facility just makes too much sense for for any league. If you want to have someone in one place. That's the easiest place to do it. Disney, um, Los Angeles. Um, I, I think it makes so much sense having a tournament. If it's if they made it a preseason tournament, I think that would be kind of disappointing because if if you had so many rotations, it wouldn't make sense. But if we're using the five person rule and that's the way the MLS is going mm -hmm, to do mm -hmm. it, make a point. Then it would have some legitimacy. I don't know what they're going to do with the U.S. Open Cup. Maybe if they just said, hey, we're going to make that the U.S. Open Cup for this year and this year only. It's just open to MLS teams, and, you know, we'll compete it out. And so that way the trophy would actually have some meaning. We could get that tournament. I think it would be great. Um, anything at least to have some MLS soccer. Hopefully there can be some fantasy tie-in to it. Um, but it's, it's, it's a good kind of trial run. But I, I really think what's happened this weekend is with the Bundesliga coming back, all of a sudden – 
you start to see other stuff coming back and it's really put the pressure on governments to kind of allow leagues to open up to some extent even without fans I, I don't know when we'll get fans back but i think as long as we had some sort of sport some sort of diversion i, I think that would be a, a great benefit to everybody and of course blaine mentioned some of uh, the players are concerned of course we're still going through a cba right now with some of these negotiations mm -hmm. and all of this reporting comes from sam stage uh, at the athletic so you can you can go check that out uh, paul tenorio also has has a lot of the information uh, the two standard go-to's brought to us by etr uh, but uh, they also cite some additional concerns. I think these are very valid, talking about players with, with families who have little English and, and what can they do without their without their certificate others to help with translation. What can they do with all of a sudden someone's a single parent who's who's trying to raise a child with childcare concerns or even having to travel in general or being away from their families and, and other responsibilities. So I think those are all things that need to be taken into consideration, and um, we hope that the best decision is made. But I think we can all say that uh, if some players need to have some um, exceptions made or just some accommodations made, we hope that happens and that those who can uh, are able to go. And if this does come down, I think all of us will enjoy seeing some soccer. And, and I know that people are considering the, the staffs of, of all the facilities and, and the parks and the teams. So uh, a lot of people have been thinking about this, and we have, we're not the first. And that's what's great for me is we're not the first with Bundesliga going. So I think we'll have some good information to, to look at because we're still looking at a July 1-ish start date if anything happens. Uh, June would be moving in and getting some practice in, and then July 1-ish, that early July is when we could see, see a tournament of sorts. Yeah. Now, it would be interesting to be how long this tournament would be. You know, if they're going mm -hmm. to go down to Disney for a while – is, is it a month-long tournament? Or then we talk about regular season coming back in August? They said every team would get at least five games. So uh, so some of this... Like some sort of like group stage yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, multiple games could be played in a day. Uh, there might be some doubles near the end, or this could overlap into August. Uh, I think the backup plan is MLS is still looking at a truncated season starting in September. So um, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see the, the wheels starting to turn. It's exciting to see things starting to open up. And even though lots of us are getting masks now as various parts of our standard business and work attire, um, it, it is good. It's great to see people coming together to try to, to do what's right and just help get started and help take care of those who need it so i'm excited for this news and i hope everybody else is too so good deal all right that was just the quick wrap up from last week when we were talking about the fantasy what ifs check that episode out if you haven't listened to it uh, yet where we talk about how fantasy could adapt to these various schedule changes this week starts something fun We've been teasing it for a while, started back originally with our MLS history lesson that we had way back in suspension week one or two, something like that. And we're going to start talking about the best MLS fantasy XI, the best fantasy 11, the best fantasy team, however you want to say it, of all time. Now, small caveat on that, we're looking at the modern era so again check out the history that we went over if you haven't seen that yet to learn when that is but i'll give you a cheat sheet it's basically 2012 until until now so that's what we're looking at the best team the rules that are only solid right now are that we have to have the team conform to a legal fantasy formation so that's it we can't have four forwards or one defender anything like that 
We have to have a legal formation. So the, the, we're going to wrap all this up at the end. But how we're going to get there first is we're just going to talk about the players that need to be in consideration. Each week we're going to break down a different position and sort of come to our own fantasy XIs that we're going to have for, for each of us. And, and then we'll have a final episode where we put it all together and uh, we'll get feedback from you all listening and try to decide who is the best fantasy team of all time. So first, guys, we need some parameters. And maybe these will be individual. But how are you all, you two, planning to approach figuring out who is the best fantasy-wise at each position? Is it total points? Is it points per 90? Is it contributions? Is it top finishes and whatever numbers? Just how are you guys going to break this down in chat? Uh, for those of you with us, I want you to start thinking about this as well because I want to hear what you're saying. So, Mike, we'll let you start. Um, for me, it's, it's about fantasy is about consistency. Those are the players who I always rely on. Those are the players who I always look to see, okay, who are their matchups? Who, who am I looking at? Um, if, if, as long as they have a good matchup, you know, nothing terrible. I want to try to see if I can get them in my team. So I would probably look towards more of a per 90 or maybe a per points per season kind of thing. Um, just because you've been in MLS for tons of seasons, that doesn't necessarily appeal to me as much as you were a reliable person every time I put you into my fantasy team, whether it was under the old system of limited transfers or uh, in the new system of unlimited transfers, that when I put you in, you were going to give me good production that I could rely on. So those are kind of that's kind of the criteria I'm looking at. And when we talk about consistency, you'll hear that from me a lot. You heard it a lot when we talked when I talked about uh, my fantasy Mount Rushmore. So that's that's my main thing is I just whenever I just wanted someone guy I could depend on who's going to get me solid points and deliver at the end of the day. Blaine, how are you going to approach this? Yeah, I'm, I'm a lot like Mike where I like consistency and I tend to look at uh, points per game or points per 90 for that as one of the key indicators. Um, the more often you're putting up better scores, the higher your average is, the better a player you are. And it's just it shows your fantasy consistency. Um, <clears throat> you do have to worry about super subs creeping up into the really high levels of points per 90 if they come in and make an impact a couple of times. So you got to look at overall play as well. But I tend to gravitate towards points per 90. My big question when we do this is, should I include a minimum number of years in MLS in order to be the best 11? Um, Zlatan came in and put up some really staggering numbers, but he did it for two years and now he's gone. So does that make him a fantasy best 11? And I know that's later on, but does that make him best 11 worthy over somebody who has had a longer, more consistent career in MLS and been a fantasy staple for many, many years compared to somebody who came in, made a big splash. And I tend to hover around that two to three years point. Like if the guy's only here for one or two years, he's probably not going to make my best 11 because of that, because I want to see a lot more consistency than that. And I want to have a guy I can trust to play for longer. So Mike, uh, one question, but first I want to hear your take on, does the number of years matter for you when coming up with your picks um it probably matters just as long as they have a few like for example i think giovinka was here three or four years um you know if it was just one year of greatness i, I don't know if 
that would do it. Um, but I, so I think it matters a little bit, but I don't think it's determinative. If that makes sense. No, oh, yeah, I was trying to, to nitpick your longevity comment uh, just just a second ago to see if, if that's what you meant by longevity of a guy who comes in, like an Almiron who comes in, stays for a little bit and then leaves, or if it if you were, or on the other end, we'll have to think of those guys who maybe started retiring in 12 or 13, something like that, who aren't going to be continuing on. So, Because mm-hmm. uh, we do, there is there is a time frame with this modern history, and that time frame is just about how the scoring was working. Uh, one comment that came from Adam in chat that I really like and want to see how you guys are going to take this, because it's going to factor in for me, is like you all, he's looking into points per game, but he's also taking into consideration memorable fantasy contributions. So this may have played more into considerations for Mount Rushmore for some of us. Do you think memorable contributions, he says for his team, I'm going to broaden it to also include maybe the fantasy game zeitgeist in general, whatever you want to say, do you think that should play into choosing the best XI of all time? It probably will when we get to defenders. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I mean, it absolutely does. Um, And I play in a draft league, so I tend to gravitate towards some of my draft guys. And I've got two names that I've had in draft that, when I originally mocked up a best 11 for fantasy, uh, two of my old school draft guys that just been around for forever. Actually, I think three of them were in one of my early drafts for a, a full team best 11, because I do have a lot of good memories with them, but they were big enough names that I used them in the regular fantasy game. I tried to get them in draft. I, I worked hard in years when I didn't have them to try to trade for these guys. These were guys that, really stood out to me as key players and yeah i may be a little biased because they they helped win me a fantasy turn or a fantasy league but they helped win me a fantasy league i mean they were good players and they still are good players and so it's one of those that i can't just ignore my history with them when i'm making this list so maybe we'll see a madronda with you maybe we'll see now of course someplace that might make this easy is uh, we will expand this slightly because every best 11 uh, and every fantasy team does have a bench. So we'll have a few bench spots. Perhaps we'll use those as honorable mentions or maybe we'll reserve those for some of the guys who maybe had a, a substantial contribution to uh, to the fantasy game but didn't necessarily do well enough. Or maybe we'll reserve those for something that is substantial to fantasy and those are our switcheroos or our super subs or just whatever we want to have there on the bench so for bench spots how do you guys plan to approach that do you want to just put him with 4.0 fodder or do you want it to be your other or what how do you want to pick a best bench blaine um i think i think we're i'm gonna go on limited budget here and just of course we get we get we get our two goalkeepers we get our five defenders our five midfielders and our three forwards and I plan to fill all of those spots, and then the eleven can come out of that. But I think we go with the we go with the format in the game, and we just do the five five three with the two goalkeepers, and you fill up those spots, and then we can kind of determine who our what our starting lineup and formation is. But we go ahead and just lift off. I mean, both my goalkeepers are ready for tonight, and then next week I'll be back with the defenders, and I plan to have five defenders ready for my 
for my formation. Now, which ones actually make the starting lineup is still up for debate, but I'll I'll come into the show with five defenders ready to list off. All right, so Blaine doesn't care about those extra little things. He just wants the best, the best 18 for his and then the, the cream of the crop for that. Mike, what about you? So wait, if, if we're doing like switcheroos, does that mean like we're putting 4.0 people into the lineup? Like, no, no. Well, I mean, you, you can go there if you want to. I mean, you, you can make some arguments of, of like maybe maybe this is the best 4.0 player that we've always had who was always injured or, or never never available and always made your switcheroos work out. You guys can do whatever criteria you want. Uh, but I just wanted the bench to be available uh, for me. Best fantasy players who played for the New Orleans Jesters. There we go. <laughs> for for me, I'm reserving my bench spots to be for a, a mix. When appropriate, I want it to be a representation of sort of the honorable mentions. Maybe a guy who didn't quite make my my best three or four, depending on what positions I'm looking at. Didn't, didn't quite make make it onto the field for me. But I also want to leave some spots for me for people who I believe still uh, had an impact to fantasy. Maybe maybe I need to value point production or just general skill more. Let me know if you're listening right now. Send me a message on Twitter at MLSFantasyBoss. But I was hoping to reserve some of the bench spots for people. I don't know if I'll pick Madronda or not, but somebody like a Madronda, somebody like that who who maybe had an impact still on fantasy and that I may want to honor. Maybe that's too much of Mount Rushmore coming through, but that's where I was. That's where my head was. Okay, so again, uh, you guys talked about yours. For for me, um, I'm still going to try to to carry in that impact for, for me. I want to try to do my best to not just look at the raw numbers, not just look at points per 90, not just look at total score. I want to try to find players who were fan favorites or just just players that champion fantasy or that fantasy players flock to or just were part of conversations as part of my best fantasy team. Again, send me your ads, send me your messages, send me your hate mail if you don't think that's the best way to depict this. But we're all going to have our own take and then we'll come to a conclusion at the end. But I want to I want to try to honor some of the spirit of fantasy with my best, best team. And uh, to me, uh, that opens the door for it could be someone who is in a top 10 every every year for the past 2012 through through 2020 for the past eight years eight years nine years whatever we're doing here it could be someone who was one and done it could be someone who was here for a couple of seasons like a Zlatan and then left like I want to leave the door open I want to have room to to just look at this and, and go with whoever so um, I'm trying to take a big big approach maybe that's wrong but I look forward to hearing it okay we're going to talk keepers next. So is there anything else you guys want to lay out there for so that the people understand where you're coming from before they tear you down on Twitter? I'll just bring on the teardown. Bring on the teardown. I love this. Yeah. It's it's It was so fun seeing all the arguments and hearing the conversations with Extra Time Radio about their their various Mount Rushmore. So we got a little bit of that with with our fantasy Mount Rushmore. So I this this could be fun as well. So bring it on. That's how we're approaching this. I uh, would love to hear how you all uh, listening to us right now or in the future or whenever are going to think about picking your own best 11 for, for fantasy. So, all right. We're going to talk about each position. And this week, we're going to talk about goalkeepers. You would think this could be easy. You guys said you already have names. You already have your picks. 
I don't know. There's there's a lot of good people over the years, so let's start out just... Well, no, I'll let you guys pick. I was going to say just give me your names, but do you want to just give me your names of who is your shortlist, or do you want to just start naming some of the best players over this time span that we think need to be in the conversation? I want to do a, like either shortlist or get those top names out there because... okay. Limiting okay. to one or two is really tough, and there's a lot of guys who, like, I've got my two, but I've got a lot of guys that could easily have been in my two. Okay. Well, let's do that then. Exactly. You give me your top five, and then I'll tell you who you may have missed, and then we'll figure out who uh, who your top two end up being before we move on. And I'll, I'll keep this down. I'm going to keep track of all of this for so everyone knows over these next weeks so that we each have our own little fantasy 11 and then we'll talk about all that at the end when we come to a conclusion so uh blaine since you were the one to offer the suggestion i'll let you start out uh doesn't have to be five but uh, try to give it at least five so we have something to, to work with but just give me give me five or so names of top keepers in your shortlist so i have five and i'll give them to you in alphabetical order so i don't give anything away okay okay that's fair uh, i like um evan bush from montreal quality in and out good team bad team he's always put up the good numbers not the not necessarily the best clean sheet option but bonus points galore all the way through so evan bush makes my list um stefan fry um pretty much an iron man up in seattle played with one of the better defenses the league has seen over that span of time and has played for so long just has to be in the list um Tim Melia also makes my five, a little bit of a homer pick, but again, part of what has been considered one of the best defensive teams over a decade, and that's a hard one, that's a hard pass, hard one to pass on that. Um, for that same reason, Luis Robles makes my list. Iron Man for a pretty solid defense for so long, now he's moving around a little bit more uh, with the new team, so we have, we need to see what's going to happen there, but Again, week in, week out, somebody you can pick to do. And I guess I got him a little out of order, but uh, Nick Romando also makes my list. I mean, that career, those penalty saves, everything about <clears throat> everything about Romando. Did you, did you give him anything? No, I didn't. Okay. E yeah, everything about Romando and his career um, just screams that he has to be on this list. Is that you? So there's my five. All right. Yes, Lily, you have us. <laughs> Mike, who do you have? Um, so I had I, I think I'd have had like a list of three coming into it. Um, all three are on Blaine's list. Um, I, I think the I'll throw out some other names that that could probably maybe be talked about in, in the top five. Um, Sean Johnson. Um, Sean Johnson's probably one of the few keepers who always really puts up good consistent um underlying numbers he, he's not as dependent as on clean sheets as a lot of the other guys um on, on the list are because of his passing ratings and because of the way yankee stadium is situated when he has a home game he usually gets um, a decent amount of stops um i think andre blake usually good for a good um pk stop uh, a lot of exciting saves we're talking about memorable fantasy moments he was always a fun keeper to have because if you had him on your team he was usually um, making crazy stops and it was just 
fun one like because you get a, like a root for him as he makes uh, a lot of acrobatics off it was also usually thrilling because philadelphia usually gives up a lot of shots too um and then the um other people other person i kind of thought of um when thinking about this was uh bill hamid um very good very solid for for a long time um and, and you know when you know benny ball is really in order um dc united's a pretty good uh option for a clean sheet so um those are kind of the other names i wanted to throw out who are the ones that you overlapped with all, all um, of his names or i mean the, the three that i had coming into mm-hmm. were um stefan fry nick Romando, and tim Melia. um Nick, I mean, I I, I put longevity at the beginning of this, but I mean, Nick Romano <laughs> has been a keeper uh, and has been one of the top keepers, you know, from the beginning of our era to the end. Um, and keepers is probably one of the times where longevity isn't much of an issue because in MLS they tend to stay, so we don't have the best options leaving MLS right away, um, as at least as often as we see in, in, in most of the other uh, positions. Um, but so Stefan Fry, I think, gets in there because Seattle's defense was always good, uh, and he's a clean sheet. Um, but I had him a little bit lower because he's really much more of a clean sheet guy, whereas Tim Melia and Nick Romando are the leaders in MLS for um, getting the PK stops and for getting the clean sheets. So I, I think those two are kind of head, and above, head above and beyond because – when you're looking trying to get that one game, if they can get that PK save, you know, it's just such a huge boost to your fantasy, especially in the unlimited time and you're not looking over consistency. Um, those are kind of the two that I was really looking at. Okay, that's fair. So you guys did cover a lot of the people who uh, I think are worth mentioning. Uh, of those names that you threw out there, uh, Nick Romando and Luis Robles definitely have uh, the longest tenure in the top 10 of fantasy players, uh, each one only missing out one year from 2012 to, to 2019, since we don't have all of 2020. Or maybe we do, who knows. Uh, but only missing out one year of top 10, so those guys definitely have, have some of the longevity. Um, and uh, one name I'm going to throw out there that you didn't mention is uh, David Bingham. He's another guy who maybe has gone under the radar, but he has been, especially in the last uh, four of the last five years, has been a pretty solid keeper fantasy-wise, uh, oftentimes uh, putting up good numbers to uh, to keep himself relevant. And his price hasn't always been too terribly expensive. So uh, I don't know. Are, we gonna, are you guys going to leave room for value? Is that going to be something to consider going forward? Because even someone maybe a Clint Irwin might be a uh, a shout out who's had multiple teams usually cheap not always a top 10 player but oftentimes has been a fantasy go-to for uh, getting your your second keeper as much as i love value when it comes to normally picking a keeper if we're talking about you know all-time best 11 it's really hard to factor that in too much because you know they pretty much if, if they're good in starting, they're going to be a 6.0 top-of-the-line keeper. Um, I, that may kind of hurt Fry a little bit because he usually kind of run away with value um, because Seattle tends to kind of go on a tear as far as clean sheets, and that just 
Philly's really um, screwy with the pricing system, or at least it has in years past. Um, but I mean, in general, if you want one of the best keepers, you're going to have to play a premium, but the premium isn't as bad as some of the other places, you know? So I, I don't know if it's going to really matter, especially if we're saying that this is an unlimited fantasy budget. So this is, this is unlimited. Yeah. <clears throat> Dream team's always max or unlimited budget. So when I'm picking them, I've got to look at unlimited budget. If a value guy does make the list, he'll, he'll have earned it, earned his spot, but it's, he's going to actually have to punch way above his weight and be hitting like one of the premium guys that's probably going to make pretty much every spot on this list because they're premium for a reason. They're putting up big points. Okay, okay, we can go with that. Some other premium names that you guys didn't mention. Uh, these are also former Goalkeeper of the Year winners. Let's just start with uh, Tim Howard, Secretary of Defense for the United States. What's going on? Tim Howard, he uh, was a goalkeeper of the year 2001 for the Metro Stars, had that great career over in England, came back, didn't do so great with Colorado, but is he not a name for you guys to consider? What has he done for me in fantasy since 2012? Okay, he's been expensive and has not performed. Isn't that worth something? And he displaced, what, Zach McMath, who was having a really Ooh. good run with Colorado, and, I mean... If we're going to do one-off year, Zach McMath with Colorado was on pace to have one of the better fantasy goalkeeper years and got replaced by Howard, and the team fell apart. Like, Howard derailed what was a great goalkeeping situation for all of us fantasy players. Like, I'm still I'm still a little upset over that one. How can you... Blaine, I'll answer your question. What has Tim Howard done? Tim Howard has done for fantasy is by, by the Colorado Rapids signing him to such a stupid contract helped them be terrible for years and helped us give us another team to pick against. For <laughs> That's what he's done for fantasy. I almost feel like what you've said, Blaine, is an argument for why Zach McMath should be the second <clears throat> goalkeeper, just because of the craziness that always happens with him. Zach McMath, by the way, in 2013 was a top 10 goalkeeper in fantasy. Uh, another name, go ahead. Oh, Zach McMath gave me... I was thinking about him when I was setting this up. I was like, oh, I just, he doesn't have those standout highlights that I wanted, but he's the reason why we need to do another episode if we have time for like the MLS journeyman, like the all time journeyman top list for fantasy, just to have that as an extra episode later on. Maybe we will just have an honorable mention that didn't make our 18. Uh, Ron Bodie mentions John Bush as someone who he thinks should be in consideration. Uh, his favorite, since he took the, the smack talk with Grace during the U.S. Open Cup in Seattle, dude was also kind of a stud off and on. Uh, John Bush was definitely in uh, 12, did he, did he leave in 13? Teen, I forget when Evan Bush came came on because uh, we had a lot of Bushes in the top tens, but uh, John was definitely there as a top ten keeper in 2012. For me, though, Ron, I think this is going to be a time when he just doesn't have enough time put into MLS Fantasy 3.0 to really be in this conversation. But definitely some good points about him. Uh, do you all agree about some of these these legends? I mean, it, even. Even Nielsen has to be someone we think about like this. Yeah, um, Jimmy Nielsen was an absolute beast while he was playing, but he retired after the 2013 season. 
uh, we got two years of him in this, and that was it. And for as much as I love him, both on and off the field, I just I can't give it to a guy who played two seasons under the fantasy rankings. Doesn't matter how good they were. It's just he didn't he doesn't beat out these other guys who have had longer careers that I've been able to rely on for so much, so many more games. All right, we got to say this name because our Atlanta crowd is going to be up in arms if we've talked about Orlando and not said anything about them with goalkeepers. But Brad Guzan, he was the 2007 goalkeeper of the year with Chivas USA. Again, goes over the to Europe, comes back here, playing for Atlanta, definitely doing a lot better than Tim Howard did at Colorado. Is he not worth mm-hmm. talking about in this conversation? So this is what, Atlanta's third year? Third or second? Were they two seasons? They they started. Uh, I don't remember. It's, it's I think they've, they've had thirty. Um, I think in the first few he was a decent pick, but not as automatic. Okay. Um. Um. Kazan really got overshadowed by his defenders for me. Um, yep. and I go personal experience with the game. If I was looking at Atlanta. Uh, especially when we switched to three players per team. Mm-hmm. LGP or one of their other defenders was always coming up, whether it was Parkhurst or something else. Like, I was always gravitating towards grabbing an Atlanta defender before I would grab a keeper. Guzan um, just – and he seemed to have that inflated um, old Euro star coming in price point. And he always just seemed to be too expensive, consistent enough not to lose value. And if I was going to spend the money on him, I was going to spend the money on somebody I liked better every time around so it's just a personal preference there i just never really went with guzan it burned me a few times because he had some really memorable games some really big games clean sheet and a penalty save i think at least once or just he'd get good numbers and my keeper wouldn't for those weeks but just price point and everything and just with the team he was on i'd rather have somebody else from that lineup so i never selected him and i'd hate i hate to say it but i mean we could say the same thing about toronto goalkeepers too like they've had some Pretty good ones come through. But if you're picking Toronto players, you were picking Giovinco and Josie, and if you were going to get multiples, you were looking at every other position besides goalkeeper. And so that kind of that kind of jaded me a little bit to the position here just with with Guzan and Atlanta. I, I just never picked him, and it's hard to put somebody in my 11 that I never picked. The other thing about Guzan and some of the Toronto keepers is that they were very dependent upon the clean sheets because they weren't going to get a whole lot of saves. They weren't going to get a whole lot of passes because the most part they were focused on you're going to be afraid of our attack and not generate enough chances because you can't devote people for. I changed a little bit in the last year of Atlanta. But for the most part, that was the the game plan. Um, Even the last year in Atlanta, teams were still scared to death, rightfully so, of Joseph Martinez. Mm -hmm. So I think it's hard to say, like, if you're not putting up a, a bunch of saves, I'm looking at a two or a six. And that always kind of played into the consideration of Guzan. He's obviously a very good keeper, very good fantasy option. Um, and, you know, if we're talking about the top six of this year, you know, he's, he's going to be in there. Um, but as far as, you know, best of all time, it, it's kind of hard for just like the two really good seasons when Atlanta was a good defensive team to, to put him in that long. For me, you guys uh, nailed exactly for for what I think about him is 
there always seemed to be a field player that I wanted more for Atlanta than necessarily uh, a defender. Now, maybe that's a mentality that you were going to have for a lot of, of the goalkeepers, but I think that's important for when you're choosing uh, these teams are that that's that's a go-to guy when you're talking about that defensive unit and especially in this new era of uh, three player per team limitations it's a huge decision to go with a goalkeeper instead of a field player if they have the caliber of uh, a Barco or Martinez or people like that so uh, I think you guys are are spot on for why Brad might not be in consideration one more name for actually two more names for you guys uh and they're, they're newer players. One of them is the 2019 MLS Goalkeeper of the Year, Vito Minone. And also, uh, LAFC's Tyler Miller. Uh, I mean, LA's done really well. Miller has often been a keeper that we've wanted. And uh, Minone had some great pricing. He only has one year, though. Is he suffering from the same problem as people like John Bush and Nielsen? I th- um, Minone was always a head scratcher to me. Uh, I was never all that, that impressed with Minone. Um, for Tyler Miller, I, I th- it's the same with Guzan, um, maybe even more so. Sure. Teams generally weren't just getting chances, getting to the back. Um, and, and the other thing with Miller um, was the fact that LAFC's defenders were always a little bit more suspect due to rotation and like what Bob Bradley was going to run out. You can never really depend on him. Then there was the price point issue, so I was like, all right, I'll just throw Miller out there as kind of a safe pick and be done with it. And then I can go, you know, up front and get Vela and whichever midfielder or, you know, other forward you wanted to get. Um, so that was kind of the deal with Miller, is basically I don't want to take a risk on a rotation of the defenders. Um, obviously, LAFC put up good defensive numbers because everyone was terrified to, you know, com- commit too much. But it's kind of the same with, with Guzan to me. Yeah, Miller's Miller's one of those interesting cases. When he was on, he was great. But he was a product of his team and his environment, too. And I distinctly remember some of the L.A. fan base being really upset with Miller because he made some stupid mistakes and gave up some goals. And he was at fault for some of their big letdowns. And that that's tough when you get a goalkeeper that gets that reputation a little bit. And I, I just don't know how a budding franchise like LAFC coming out so strong, you don't, you don't trade away a stalwart goalkeeper that you're, that you want to ride on through, what could potentially be multiple championships. You don't just, you don't just move on from that piece. I mean, Luis Robles and, and the Red Bulls. He got in there and they didn't let him go. He, he's on the more on the back end of his career when they finally decided to move him and it was because he was going to cost too much. I didn't see that with Miller and I don't I don't know how a team sells a goalkeeper like that in the middle. I just I think he was a little overrated for what he did and he was a product of his team. <clears throat> and I don't know that we're going to get a clearer picture of him going forward playing with Minnesota because he's got that incredible defense in front of him again. Um I think I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be inflated for the next three, four seasons because he's got some huge names in front of him. I mean, a two-time defender of the year playing center back right in front of him goes a long way. I just He's always going to have good numbers, but I don't think it's always going to be his numbers. It's going to be his team's numbers that are reflecting on him. How much does quality of the defensive unit for you all subtract 
from your likelihood of picking up a goalkeeper? In fantasy, it, I mean, for, for this, you know, in fantasy, you always want to have a good defensive unit. Oh, no. Because um, you, you want to have someone who's going to get the clean sheets. Um, it'd be different if we're just talking about, like, the skill of a goalkeeper uh, himself. But, you know, for, for this conversation, having a better defensive unit is a plus because you get the clean sheets. Um, I, I think kind of one of the ideal situations is something like, like what you see in Sean Johnson, um, where you have someone who's going to get shots, but they're generally weak shots, generally um, high percentage save shots, so that they can build up the numbers that way. Um, generally going to get clean sheets. Um, and maybe every once in a while you get a weird penalty, but they can reliably save penalties. Um, and that's where Sean Johnson doesn't come to this conversation because he's not a good penalty stopper. <laughs> but that that's kind of what you're what you're really looking at for fantasy. Because, I mean, the biggest thing is clean sheets. If, if you don't get a clean sheet or if you don't make up for a penalty save, and those are so hard to predict, it's – you're not going to get the good points. You're going to get three or four, and whoever nails the clean sheet, they're going to beat you. Yeah, I mean, going on that, Sean Johnson and I put Andre Blake up there are probably two of, two of the better athletic shot stoppers in the league right now, and they make a lot of highlight reel plays, but they also don't get the clean sheets because they're having to make too many highlight reel plays, and you can't, you just, you can't save all of them. It's just, it's not the way the game works. Um, but that said, I will take a guy with a bad defense if he's good enough, and that's evidenced by Evan Bush being on my list. Um, we don't, we haven't thought of Montreal as that shutdown defense. I think they had one year where they were really considered an elite defense-ish. Um, other than that, they were, they've always been that middle of the pack. But Evan Bush, out of nowhere, just is always putting up decent numbers. He's always facing shots. He's, I mean you'll have your clean sheet keeper get you a five or a six because he picks up a yellow card and you'll have Evan Bush put up a four or a five without the clean sheet in some weeks. And that's just, that's a testament to how good of a goalkeeper he is, even with the bad defense. And sometimes the bad defense has worked out in his favor because he's consistently getting those extra bonus points. So it, it really depends on the keeper on that one. If you're going to go without the really good defense, because I think my entire list has had, pretty much quality defense around them for most of their career. Some of it's the command of the back. Some of it's just having really good players in front of them. But defense is always a unit in this game. And you, can, you can't pick one without looking at the unit as a whole. So that's going to play a factor. But the guys on my list kind of stand out in their own right for their own reasons be it uh, penalty saves or longevity or just how how consistent they have had their team playing with some rotation in front of them and those guys those guys really make my list because regardless of the unit they're always still rising to the top okay that's fair i just wanted to throw some names out there to make sure people know that we're not just phoning this in and picking the top people or most points or whatever's going on. Okay, so you give me a list of several players. We've got we've got a nice little group right here. Now I'm going to ask you all to cut it down to your top three. So, uh, and you guys, did, I'll, I'll not uh, cop out myself, you guys did hit uh, all the names that, that I would have considered as well for, for my short list for, for this conversation. 
So now, go down to your top three. Blaine, you started, so Mike, I'll let you take this one. My top three? Well, I think I, I, think I already said my top three. It's also easy. <laughs> um, Stefan Fry, Tim Elia, Nick Romando. In that order? No, do you want me to give them in the order? No, not necessarily. I'm just, just going to check. So, okay. That is Mike's top three. Why? Um, mostly because I think they were consistent. I could rely upon them um, when they're at home to get a clean sheet, to get a few saves. And so that every time I was looking at bottom line minimum, I was going to get four with a really good chance of a clean sheet on top of it. Um, that's pretty much all I can ask for in keepers. And most of the time they would deliver. Then I think you, with a few of them, they would add on some, you know, penalty saves so that even if they don't get the clean sheet, they get that, <laughs> you know, you get that rare situation where you get a clean sheet and a penalty save. But for some reason that, that just never happens to me. I'm not that lucky, <laughs> but you know, most of the time, they're going to get me a good solid score with an opportunity to get like eight points. Um, and, and that's really all you can ask for for keepers in this game. Blaine, your top three. Yeah, I've got uh, Fry, Mealy, and Robles. Um, just consistency on those three. Um, Robles really beats out Romando for this last spot because I just I had more good experiences with him in fantasy he's been one of those guys in my draft team that i've tended to gravitate towards uh Ramondo usually comes off the board a little earlier or Ramondo's had a little bit weaker defense around him and it's just it's one of those things robles never got injured i know Ramondo picked up a few knocks later on in his career and had to miss some time um i never saw that with robles he just he was always giving me a good run out no matter when i grabbed him and I have this strong anti-Red Bull bias, and Robles was one of those safe options that even when I hated Red Bull, he was there. And and I think recency bias really plays into some of the – some people that might overlook Robles because lately New York has not been as strong, but they won back-to-back supporter shields based on that defense, I think. And he's been around this whole 3.0 generation or almost this whole thing – and putting up consistent numbers from, what, 13, 14, 15 on, it's not just been a few good seasons. He's had a long run of it, and I just I have to put him in there. And then Mealy and Fry both, I mean, two of the strongest unit, defensive units we've seen in MLS uh, come out right here. And these guys have proven that they can handle rotation in players, and they really do command their defenses from the back. And so that gives it that gives them that edge to be up here can, in the top three for sure. Okay. So for me, uh, my my top three are Fry and Robles, as we've already talked about, but I have Johnson in there for the very same reasons that, that Mike is talking about. Uh, producing a lot of those bread and butter stats, are, I think, are, are really important. And that's something that, that Stefan Fry and Luis Robles have done as well. Mm-hmm. The problem for Nick Romando with me, and I think that's probably going to be the biggest uproar that we hear from people, uh, is, is Nick Romando. Is Nick Romando was... Uh, one of the top uh, one or two in in 2012. I don't have exact stats for that, but he was probably number two right behind Nielsen. Uh, And then in 2013, he was still a top five keeper right there. But after that, he really drops down 
to the bottom of that top 10 list as far as as point production there are other players who are just outperforming him and if you're going to nick Romando as a fantasy manager you're maybe going to be disappointed a lot of those times because he is getting some of those pk saves but that's that's not going to help you in the long run on the other hand people like sean johnson even though he's he's still relatively new with with all this fantasy stuff uh, he's getting those bread and butter stats that we always need to help have performances without clean sheets but then people like robles and fry have just been so consistently near the top of the point generations and the top of saves and recoveries and clean sheets for the past six years that that for me that's harder to overlook than than Ramondo always being near the bottom of these lists so so that bumps Ramondo off for me and and man is it close between two of these players for me and I'm going to now ask you all the hard question you've got to drop one of these three players and you've got to give me your starter and your backup for your best fantasy 11 keeper position i'll let you decide who goes first because this is so tough well I guess I'll start because I feel like I have to defend Nick Romando as a good goalkeeper. Do you? I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying I, I he's like four. Like... He's like four on my list. That is not bad, but I mean, he's like four. Uh-huh. Okay, first of all, Blaine put in Robles over Romando after five minutes ago saying that he couldn't pick a keeper whose team moved on from. Well, Luis Robles is not in the New York tri-state area anymore. New York, Luis Robles is in Florida no, no. I, already. Like, let me, let so me if we're going to do that category, I goodbye. Said... Second of all, you should never let go of hatred for Red Bulls. That's never a thing you should ever, you should embrace the dark side, embrace your anger and your hatred for Red Bulls. It should never be something you should ever, ever pass from. Um, but, I mean, on, on Robles, he's one of the leaders in clean sheets all over um, of, of, of all time. I, have, I haven't run the stats in, since 2012. Um but I mean, since 2012, he has been one of the top keepers on one of the better defenses in fantasy and in, in, in MLS. So I think he's always been a consistent uh, producer that way. Um, and then you throw in the fact that he's the leader in history in made penalty saves. Um, I don't know how you don't have him in the top three. For, for my top two, the one I dropped off was Fry. So I have Nick Ramondo and Tim Melia in my top two. Okay, um, so Mike... Because Fry was only... Is really only the clean sheets. And I mean, Seattle's defense would do that, you know, consistently and reliably, but you don't get the bonuses that Nick Ramondo gave you. So who's your who's your number one? Who's your Is Ramondo your starter? He's your number one? No. Uh, I, I had Melia as my starter um, because Melia did do clean sheets more consistently once Melia became the starter than Ramondo. Blaine, any I response gave the to edge that? To Melia, yes, Blaine. Attack Tim Melia. Go. <laughs> Attack Tim Melia. Yeah. <laughs> the only the only thing that made that harder to pick Tim Melia because is he's had fewer seasons than all these other guys. I mean, he came on later, coming out of the pool goalkeeper spot. Um, Robles is my third guy out. He's 
he just I I give it I give I I can't give it to him and I want to clarify what Mike said. If the if New York would have moved on from Robles in 2013, 14, 15 like early on in his career, Tyler Miller played what two seasons with LA and they shipped him out. Like that's like drafting a starting pitcher in baseball and giving him two years and him putting up decent numbers and then trading a starting pitcher. You don't, you just don't invest into somebody and move on from them that quick. You don't, if he was a goalkeeper that LA could build around, they wouldn't have traded him. Robles was a guy they could build around and they did. And so that's why, that's why I say you can, you can't move on from a guy early, but he, Robles served his time. They just didn't want to pay his contract anymore. That's what that was which sucks because I I love Robles for fantasy. He's always been there. Uh, Fry gets my number two because he was a lot of – a little clean sheet dependent. Um, he didn't always handle the rotation in front of him as well. Um, and Tim Mealy gets my top spot. Call me a homer all you want to. It's good homer. Money. But um, um, sample size is smaller but not insignificant Melia has the best penalty save percentage of any goalkeeper to ever play in MLS with I think a minimum of 10 stops or a minimum of 10 penalties faced like he, his average is higher than Ramondo's at this point I think that says a lot because he trained behind Ramondo for so many years too but He's he's done it. He hasn't had as many opportunities, but his opportunities he's had, uh, he's made the most of them. Um, he's commanded a defense that, through some good years, through some bad years, through some rotations and injuries, um, we look at Ico Parra as a two-time defender of the year, but he's also been one of those players that's been plagued by injuries almost his entire career, and I think he's only gone maybe two full seasons three at the most in his career so far um and Melia had to had to account for all of that too so he gets my top spot because he's done it with the rotation and while not as many penalty saves which it's hard to beat somebody who's been goalkeeping in the league for 20 years for total penalty saves but that percentage beating out Ramondo in such a short time is, just is astounding to me and Melia is going to take my top spot for sure So I think Melia is someone who gets a, a a recency bonus. I mean, he's been in the top ten uh, twice in the last three years. A lot of that uh, was was a good defense at, at times too. But he's just been so expensive that, from the fantasy point of view, I think like that's made him not as go to from fantasy. I am still arguing against uh, Ramondo and Mike. I'm using your own words that you were talking about. Producing some of those bread and butter stats, you're going to argue against clean sheets being so clean sheet dependent. A PK save is even less likely to happen than a clean sheet. So to rely on PK saves to help be a a consistent, substantial fantasy stat is ridiculous to me. And from 2013, at least when I had the detailed stats, to 2019. Nick Ramondo has rarely had more saves or recoveries than Robles or Fry. And if he did, it was only fewer than 10 or very few. But usually those two, Fry and Robles, were going to have more saves and 
recoveries, which are much more bread and butter stats as far as consistent fantasy bonus point generation uh, than than PKs saved. And I will concede clean sheets is definitely one that is uh, is hard to predict. But but those are bread and butter stats. It's the same reason I like Johnson. It's it's the same reason why those three guys make the list. Romando is four for me because he is such a solid keeper. But but for me. It is Fry as the number one keeper. I don't know. Malia would be a tough call for... Sorry. Uh, Fry is the number one keeper for me as far as his fantasy is going to go. Next, I would have Robles because they have jockeyed back and forth so much for for the best of a top 10 keeper and have such a consistent performance in those just bread and butter keeper stats that we need so badly in fantasy. And number three for me is Johnson. All right, so let me let me defend using PK. <laughs> okay, uh, PKs. So bread and butter stats yes. for keepers isn't as important because you're not going to get that many of them. The real crux question is whether you get the big ones, because whether you get the goal and whether you get the clean sheet, especially in an unlimited transfer setting. I mean, if you can get the one or two, yeah, that's a consistency and that helps. But if you can consistently get PK saves, that's going to overcome the num the losses that you have for no clean sheets. Um, like that that makes you weak. Like if you if if your keeper even if he doesn't have any of the other things and he gets the PK saves, he's a good that's a good week. It's it's Absolutely even not. though it's not reliable, it replaces goals. So if you can do that, like you're consistent that puts you over the edge because those are the two main stats that matter for goalkeepers. The other thing is just like a little bit of lanyard between two and nothing. Now that makes a difference if you can't do that, but it's not like Nick Romando couldn't get, was only going to get two points. He was generally going to get you three or four. So to, to me, that puts him over the edge over a lot of the other guys. Who are like if they don't get the clean sheets, I'm, I'm not getting anything. I mean, Three points is pretty pitiful for a goalkeeper. If he's going to get, if he gives up a goal, he gets two points for playing and then one bonus point. That's a pretty sucky goalkeeper score for me. But these guys who are able to generate two to three points during a game from recoveries and and saves, those are much more consistent. Like I, I just don't think that argument holds up. The, the bread and butter stats are bread and butter for a reason, and it's the stats that you go-to that have the underlying statistical significance for why some players are better than other players and to hope but it's that like there's saying... to hope that there's a, a pk during a game to help offset a bad game is hoping for your field players to screw up in it the in advantage for your goalkeeper which is almost as bad as me as relying on the defense to justify having your goalkeeper as as your your fantasy one, I just I just don't think PK saves is better than the bread and butter. It per- predictability and like it matters. Like you can say like oh like this person, um, you can say oh, really in Colin. Oh, he had really good bread and butter stats. I don't know if he did, but just hypothetically, if he did. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the you know the red cards you can't predict it, so that doesn't matter. Well, no, it does matter because that absolutely tanks your score. The number of points that are given to PK saves makes that stat matter and that's more especially in a limited you know, unlimited transfer situation that's going to make all of the difference in, in in a in a single game if you can get that and nick romando and tim Mealy are the two keepers you're like 
that could legitimately happen. There's a good chance of them making that save and pulling that off and having a, a huge week. And so that's how you pick your keeper. If you are on the fence for two keepers in a fantasy team, in a, in a, in a fantasy week, a snapshot, which I don't like doing, but a snapshot mm -hmm. fantasy week right here, you're going to go with the guy who might save a PK. I'm going to look at, if, if that's the tiebreaker between bread and butter, then yeah. I okay. mean, if, if clean sheets are, obviously a clean sheet is the most, is, is, is the biggest one. But right under that, I think it's PKs, like saves and recovery. I mean, that, that's the difference why Sean Johnson isn't in my top three. Yeah, Sean Johnson can do all the other stuff and give decent, but he hasn't as good as, not as great as PK saves and not as good at getting clean sheets. And if he doesn't get those big point getters, he's not going to get you as far as the other keepers. All right. And and see, this is where I get with Ramonda. Like, <clears throat> there's been years where I've thought, okay, RSL's defense is good. That's a great cl clean sheet chance. But I've seen more years where RSL's lower, a lot lower down on my clean sheet list. Whereas, you know, sporting other than one outlier year has always been a clean sheet defense for me. Um, New York up until by, about last season was always on the clean sheet watch. Seattle's the same way. They're always up there for a clean sheet shout. Um, RSL has never been up there like that. They're certain games, sure, but they've never been one of those, and they've always had the nice young defenders that I want to go to more than I wanted to go, through, go with Ramondo. That's and true. With RSL, and with RSL not being such a clean sheet thing, then you have to look at bonus points, and if you really pushed me to go head-to-head, -head, um, all things even, I would probably take Bush over Ramondo because he – he seemed to get better bonus points week in and week out. I may get burned on on a PK save a couple of times a year making that decision, but I'm not going to – I'll take the bonus points pretty consistently every week over that. And that's why I've had Bush, and I've actually had all of these other goalkeepers besides Ramondo in my draft team. I don't think I've ever picked up Ramondo in my draft team, but I can't overlook the length of his career when I, we put him in top five. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. This one, I believe, is going to come down to uh, to fan feedback for, for where it actually ends up being maybe in, in some sort of vote. I don't know. Haven't completely decided how we're going to do this this final one, but we'll each have our own, and then we'll come to some conclusion yeah. for the, for the I overall. Had, I had one more thing. Like, Go I, ahead. And for my top three being Melia, Fry, and um, Robles, those are guys that I saw – maybe not in the elite fantasy players, but in the more casual players, those are the guys I saw splurged for more than anybody else. Um, there were, there were weeks that playing in the tacos league, you would see three fourths of the team have teams have Melia starting in their lineup. Um, they would uh, rate my lineup stuff from a lot of the, not, uh, not the top 200 players, not the top 250 players. Always asking, where do we cut the fat? And, you, you put goalkeeper and they're like, I won't budge from Mealy or I won't budge from Fry. Um, Robles, not so much, but I mean, definitely Mealy and Fry. Was, you had guys that you had players that would just gravitate towards them and they would refuse to sub them out for anything if they were playing. And <clears throat> I've never seen that with Ramondo. I don't really think I've seen that with too many other keepers, but I know Mealy and Fry both, the defenses were that good. You had, you had players out there saying, I'm not taking them out for anything. They're too, they're too consistent, and 
there's too much potential for a clean sheet. I'm going to ride the, them out the entire season if I have to. So we're all good. Uh, so we've been joined once again in chat by Quincy Ameriqua, and I have posed this question to him. Uh, a, a bit truncated, but talking about Fry, Robles, Romando, and Emilia for for who he would pick. So maybe we'll let Quincy be our tiebreaker in this situation. Now, he did ask if if we're talking fantasy or in-game, because that makes a difference. And I, I think that's true, and he is uniquely able to talk about that with us right now. But uh, I've said both, and we'll see... <laughs> We'll see if he's able to to respond to us as we're starting to wind down for tonight. But uh, this is this has been a great discussion, and uh, I hope I hope this is some some good content that people have been looking forward to. Maybe missing, I don't know. It's it has been a little slow without the fantasy picks and recommendations to come through here. Uh, uh, but but this is the plan of what we're going to be doing for for the rest of our positions is sort of talking the big picture, narrowing it down, and then just keep having to make those tough choices. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard. I, I talked about earlier how, uh, for me, I was thinking about Zach McMath early on. If I'm going to pick a an honorable mention, for me, it's going to be Zach McMath, some of four of his journeymen. But even that was hard because I remember watching Clint Irwin come in and and doing so well when he was called up to to as an injury replacement and. And then he's moved. He moves on and doesn't do as well at Toronto, and so he's not been in that conversation. But uh, there's just so many good memories there for me that I really considered making him my honorable mention. But I think it has to go to Zach McMath, for as much as we've talked. Right. <clears throat> McMath is one of those guys. I wish he would have gotten a better shot in MLS. I wish some team would have just grabbed him and put him in there as the long-term starter, so we could see what he looked like five years in a row with one team and see him fully flourish because he's one of those guys that just bounced around one too many times and never got to really settle in someplace and make it his own team. Um, I think if he had started at one spot, if, and I don't even remember all the places he has been, but I mean, I, I think like, imagine if they had put him in Dallas five years ago and we got to see him for five seasons playing with Dallas. Sure. Um, I, I think McMath could be in this conversation for top five if he had played somewhere consistently. It, it just, I, I feel for him because he's been everywhere and he had Colorado playing really, really well. And then Howard comes in and displaces him because they're paying Howard all the money and the team gets worse. So we've had, uh, we've had, yeah, you're right. That is so that is so rough to Howard coming in like that. Uh, so Quincy has weighed in and he has said Fry or Robles if it's fantasy at this point, which he gets a starter and a bench, so he could take both. Uh, and then out of the four that we gave him for for in a real game, is it Stephen Fry? So I don't know, Mike. I don't know. Qu Quincy has spoken, but we'll take it to the we'll take it to the people. Well, Quincy just said at this point, he, I mean, you know, Romando is retired. At this point. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Always looking for that little legal out. That's that's Mike, <laughs> right here, getting it right there. Well, thank you so much, Quincy, for that. Uh, and again, those of you who are listening, those of you who are watching, uh, I'll put up a poll later on Twitter for people to vote to see if they can weigh in on this. Uh, but uh, I want to hear what you think. want to get your feedback for this this Beck's best team. So uh, it's it's fun. This is all for fun. Uh, we'll post them all at, at the end, uh, and uh, we'll see. Maybe it got a little heated with Mount Rushmore, as I said, so we'll see how 
you know, secretly I'm really wanting this to get heated as well, everyone. Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's a. I mean, don't don't be mean, just to be mean. Be mean to be fun. I don't know. We'll do that. That's that's the goal. So I hope you guys have liked that. Uh, we're going to wrap up tonight. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Everyone in chat, uh, especially Quincy, uh, Mike. He says um, Mike is keen to what's the most valuable piece of information. Ooh. So maybe there is some credit there to you for your PK saves. There it comes. Uh, That just stokes the fire. Stokes the fire. Look at that. Uh, So we're going to wrap up tonight. Uh, Mike, any final comments before everything is is said and done? I'm just going to go tell... I'm just typing out a message to Jay uh, Wiskovich to let let him know that you don't hate Ramondo. And I'm just going to sit back and watch. (laughs) Let it be said, I do not hate Nick Ramondo. This was a very tough choice. You hate him? This was so, so tough. I mean, like, what, what is it about Nick Romano that he's like, oh, yeah, we all really like him, but we're not going to give him, like, a top award. Like, what, what, what is the universe? What did he do to the universe? <laughs> like, Romano's got the whole thing going. He's, he's always been up there, but he's never been the best stats-wise. Like, you can be second place every year, and you'll never win goalkeeper of the year that way. And he seems to have always just fallen that little bit short behind somebody else every single season. All right, Blaine, final thoughts. Um, I'm glad this one's out of the way. Goalkeeper is one of the hardest ones to pick it's because tough. we've only got one starting spot. It's it's always the biggest point of contention when you can only really pick one guy, and in our case, two if we put the bench out there. But it gets really tough to narrow these down, at least with the other positions. We're going to be able to open it wide up and say, I can get four guys in here. That's... That's a whole lot easier to pick four guys than it is to have to pick one. Very true. Very true. Uh, and final thoughts from myself. Thank you, everyone, for joining us again tonight uh, What for what I hope, again, is just some fun fantasy content as we're winding down, as we hope that we're winding down this quarantine time, getting back into fantasy where we will, again, be able to talk about uh, who you should be picking or, or whatever. We don't know what form this game's going to take at the end uh whenever it comes back so uh, we'll see whatever we can do to provide that content when we know more about it we will for sure let you know uh and uh, as i said everything's opening starting to open back up uh, depending on what your states is is doing or your country i know we have some international listeners which you all are doing i hope everyone is still staying safe and uh, just doing everything they can to help keep the mental health healthy as long with your body and everything so that's that's what we're here and uh, we appreciate your support during this time and hope that we've been able to, to help you as well. So thank you so much and good luck.